Lodgecasters, welcome to the Lodgecast, the official podcast show of Gentleman'sAvenue.com. This is being recorded at Nopalero Studios. We're on the 13th floor of Whittier's tallest building. That's right, folks. Penthouse Suite. It's a little, you know, a little muggy outside today. You really can't oversee Catalina Island, but still the tallest building in Whittier. That's right, folks. You're tuned in to episode 37. We have an amazing guest, an amazing, creative, talented guy. You're going to want to stay tuned. His name is Lars. You're going to want to hear about his work and his projects. Uh, A lot of you, I'm sure, will know who he is. So stay tuned. He's right here. And let me just get through this stuff, all right? So remember, all of these can be found on our website at gentlemansavenue.com forward slash the lodgecast on iTunes, Google Play, social media. So don't forget, not only do we have a podcast, which is the audio-only portion, but we also have the vodcast. So say you want to tune in. Uh, you know, I always say this, man. You know, you probably do get sick and tired of watching network TV. Or maybe, you're, you know what, you already binged on Netflix. You're all caught up on, on whatever show you're watching, Stranger Things, Black Rain, or whatever it is. You, maybe you're upset that Westworld's over and you got to wait, I don't know, what is it, like a decade for Game of Thrones to come back. And you want to see quality content about lifestyle, about culture, stuff that interests you. You could tune in and just right there, you could you could just click. You can either download it to your phone or your tablet, or you could stream it. And we have plenty of stuff to look at. So anyways, that'll do that. So let me welcome our guest. Hey, Lars. Hey, how's it going? Nice to meet you, man. Nice to meet you. Here we are. Mm-hmm. This is great. <laughs> so you flew in from Minneapolis. Just this morning. Just yeah. this morning. We had time to get to the hotel, at, or the uh, it's like a crazy estate kind of situation mm-hmm. it, it doubles is where i shoot mm-hmm. but um dropped the bags off and then headed right back here to whittier so you left a nice what was the weather like over there um it's been nice in minneapolis 80s 80s yeah and it's a lot more humid there because we're the land of ten thousand lakes so <laughs> is, is that really what it's called yeah it's yeah. It, it's the antithesis of southern california which is dry as a bone <laughs> yeah we just have so much water and you come here and it's like a balmy 95 degrees yeah it doesn't feel as bad because i've i've been out here previous years and it's it's been like i was here for a few of the really like brutal mm-hmm. um heat waves you guys have had so this is okay i can deal with it yeah i think it was like maybe last week we had like i think we hit like 112 yeah that's and, and that it was, was as soon as this is done, well, I'm here for, um, I think, seven days, mm-hmm. and then I drive to Vegas, and I've heard that's, like, I, I don't know if it'll be that way when I get there, but right now, it's pretty unbearable. And it's that dry heat. Yeah. That, I guess, I don't know, I'd rather take the dry heat than the humid heat. Yeah, it all sucks. I'm, I'm just, <laughs> like, I, I, yeah. I moved to Minneapolis because I'm, I'm fine with the cold. Mm-hmm. Like, I can deal, I can get... I can live with like negative 20, but mm-hmm. anything over like 85, I get pretty miserable. How cold does it get over there though? We've had nights on like some cold snaps where it gets negative 40. Mm-hmm. Like it's the type of weather that if your car breaks down and you're like far from civilization, you will die. It's straight out like the movie Frozen. Yeah. Oh, I don't know that movie, but <laughs> I've never seen it either, but I don't know if it dies, if it ends with someone dying in a car, but 
Yeah, I don't that know. sounds more like a Coen Brothers film. <laughs> if Coen Brothers did yeah. did Frozen, I'd like to see that. Yeah, get an alternate version. Mm-hmm. So you came in, and then you travel a lot, right? Yeah. Now, what what have been some places? Because what you do, first of all, is photography. Yes. Right? You're a photographer. Mm-hmm. And so you travel. What have been some places for you that you're like, you know what? This is just an amazing place, or places you like to go to? Well... There's qualities of each place I go that I like. I, I, I mean, it's it's tough. It, it's that idea of like it's nice to visit when when I live. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I grew up on the East Coast. I'm actually from Scranton, Pennsylvania, just like the office. I was gonna say, yeah, man, that's like, like Dwight Schrute, man. So, um, you know, uh, Minneapolis ended up being the place that kind of had everything. I wanted in, in a home city. Mm-hmm. Um, it's super liberal, which is, you know, it's a very progressive city, which is surprising for a Midwest city. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, like I, there's things I absolutely like growing up on the East coast. Like there's certain things I love there. Like I, I love, um, I, I like the people mm-hmm. and what I, what I like mean by that is like the, the abruptness of mm-hmm. most of the people on the East coast. Um, in fact, for most of my life, I didn't know anything different than that. Like I just knew people that were like very short and direct and like, Mm -hmm. and then I moved to the Midwest and it's a little bit more of a game, um, of like, you know, the passive aggressive thing happens there and, and out here, um, you know, not, not within, okay. Not within the subculture of people I shoot with, Mm -hmm. because like, that's one of the reasons I I love this scene, like the rockabilly Mm pinup vintage scene. But like, I'm saying when you just go to like a, um, tea guard or what do you call that the tea leaf um coffee bean tea leaf mm-hmm. like if you just sit in one of those places a lot of the people around i have a hard time having conversations with um because i don't know what it is it's like the it's it's like the hollywood thing like they're too cool for school yes yeah. that's it and, and um and and it's just like it, yeah i have a hard time you know but then again like the food and stuff here and the sorts of cultures that like we have like that you guys have out here is just such a breath of fresh air from like, you know, even Minnesota, Mm -hmm. like Minnesota is just a bunch of Scandinavians (laughs) and, um, you know, the food is terrible. Yeah. So So, like funky stuff with fish. I think I've seen something like that, right? There you go. That's it. Yeah. Which is what? Uh, Ludafisk is, as far as I know, I've never had it, but I've heard it's just fish soup. It's like basically creamed fish into soup it's not like fermented or anything like that or i I couldn't tell you yeah um i when i first got out there i had a friend of mine that um tried introduce me to lefsa which is Mm -hmm. like a it's it's the most bland sad like it's they take potatoes and basically roll them into a almost like a tortilla shell Mm -hmm. and then they put like lingonberry jelly on it and a little bit of sugar and it's supposed to be like this great thing and it's so bland and like awful. a dessert it's like a napkin with like a little bit of jelly yeah because yeah. so your your last name can you say your last name for me common easy which is from is german german yeah okay then mm-hmm. lars yeah like wasn't the drummer from yeah Metallica? Ul- ulrich yeah yeah yep. was he german too uh, I mean, Lars is also really common in like um, Norwegian and um, Slovak. I think it's like Slovakian. Like, there's you know, it's Eastern European, ancient countries. Yeah, very ancient. Yes, and and that's been yeah. Speaking of to kind of tie in with what you mentioned about places I've been, mm-hmm. um, my my grandmother um, 
she was from Germany, you know, she was from Germany mm-hmm. and I it, like I think it was 2009 was the first time I got to go with her over there. Mm-hmm. And that was a trip because you know, growing up on the East Coast, I've done the whole like Salem, Massachusetts mm-hmm. thing and like went up and visited that. And you see these like headstones and they, you know, they'll say like, I mean, if you really look, you can uh-huh. find something from like the 1700s and everything. Yeah. And you get to Germany and it's just like, you're, you're looking at like things that were built in like 1100, wow. you know, and, and they're still in like good shape. Still standing. Yeah. So, you know, th- that's, you know, Europe's, Europe's awesome. I, I really do hope this year to this year or early next to make it back to Europe. Cause I, I still have family living over there. Mm-hmm. I have a couple of great aunts and, um, you know, there's just other places I have a bucket list and, um, I need to visit the HR Geiger museum mm-hmm. and I need to visit like, um, CERN, the, um, large Hadron collider mm-hmm. in Sweden. And, um, yeah, actually that, that might be a surprise. I'm a huge science nerd. Are you really? Yeah. Why yeah. is that as a school or? I've just always been into science, like physical science and physics. And I've just always, I mean, I'm not smart enough to really, um, you know, I'm like yeah. an armchair guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that stuff. I, I listen that like when you were talking at the intro about podcasting and, mm-hmm. and how great that can be outside of uh, like, you know, Netflix and Amazon mm-hmm. and stuff. Like I just consume a tremendous amount of like space and science podcasts. Yeah. So like what's that guy? Neil, Neil, Neil deGrasse, yeah. Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yeah. Um, there's a guy I really like. I kind of have to, I feel obligated to give him a plug because I listen to him all the time, but mm. um, Fraser Kane mm. um, hosts one called universe today with um, Dr. Pamela Gay. And um, there's a bunch of uh, stuff like that. I just, I love it. There's so. also, who's the guy that did the string theory? Um, uh, Asian, Asian gentleman. Oh, um, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, He's like a good counterpart to Neil. Yeah. Um, why am I drawing a blank on his name? Um, I think he's a professor in New York somewhere. Yeah, I, I know. He, I know who you're talking. Yeah, about. I kind of got that same little bit where I'm like, I like listening to this stuff, especially because they bring it to like an intense level, mm-hmm. but it's understandable. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like bringing down the the cookies from the top shelf for the kids to have at it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where you're, you can digest it and it's interesting. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards you're like, fuck, I don't even know if this place is real. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the stuff is intense. Well, the girl that I was on, next to on the flight here today used to work for JPL, mm-hmm. um, Jet Propulsion Laboratory. Yeah. And um, we got down this rabbit hole about um, how we're probably most likely living a simulation. <laughs> So, which yeah. I think string theory actually uh, is at the end, its conclusion is, is that this is like a type of computer program. Right. Well, right. I mean, if you think about it, the games we're already playing are, are getting damn near close to, you know, simulations mm-hmm. of real life. And then if you just imagine a future, you know, like if we were to survive another 100 or 150 or 200 years, you know, feasibly we could come up with something that you basically you know we might not even be bodies we 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 could just be a consciousness that's just kind of plugged into mm-hmm. these endless loops of like you know a night at 82 year life you know quote unquote mm-hmm. life and just to see how you do and i mean wow <laughs> we got really deep on this podcast really quick like we're already in string theory well, and well, well, simulations and we're what are we like six minutes in 1450 <laughs> i had uh uh, recently, I just my last guest was from the cast of Stranger Things, mm. and you know that in itself is you kind of wonder if, if is there an upside down, which is an alternate yeah. type, right? You know, especially you and me also as a, as a camera guy, the sensor 
is what picks up and tells us what colors, shapes, shadows, lights are there. A computer chip. Right. But what is to distinguish that that computer chip is actually telling us what's truly, and then our eyes also, our sensors. Right. That interpret. Right. But correctly, I mean. Yeah, I, I... I have, um, so I mentioned to you before we started that, um, I'm, and we'll probably get to that, but like, I, I'm a diehard comic book nerd mm-hmm. and I have like four or five or six stories that I'm working on myself. I, it's really a matter of just time to mm-hmm. work on them. But, um, yeah, I have a couple of stories that get into some really interesting like ideas. Like, um, I have this one that's like a blockchain, which mm-hmm. is like a Bitcoin sort of block blockchain, um, that is run by AI it's an AI blockchain called the Solomon blockchain. And it, um, you know, there's, there gets to be these like people that start to worship it as like a deity, like mm-hmm. a God of some kind, mm-hmm. you know? And like, there's a whole religion for, formed around it and everything. And, uh, yeah. That, yeah. I like this. All, all this stuff is like when I watch shows, I think they're within the realm of possibility. Maybe not, you know, next month. Right next year yeah but somewhere along the near future mm-hmm. whether it's you know our children or their children it's definitely within the realm of because i always wonder i always wonder i think I, I think in in president kennedy's days they had phones and cars that's technology yeah wireless there was no long ass cord you know yeah. <laughs> along the lincoln continental well, they had a court, and it didn't get out to the public till what, maybe the eighties. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah, I remember that bag, the bag phones. Remember those? Yeah, yeah. I mean, how, how did they have this technology? What made human beings? Whether it's the ancients that were, you know, it's it's a trip. It's a trip. Yeah, I mean, my son is just turned seven, and um, you know, like even uh, you know, he's had an iPad since he was like you know one, mm-hmm. and um. It was funny because I found my old PlayStation Portable, my little PSP, mm-hmm. yeah. and um, I was like, oh, I'm so excited. And I like, you know, put it all together and I was showing it to him. And like the first thing he started doing was trying to stretch it with this on the screen. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's not a touch screen. Those didn't exist yet. And that wasn't that long ago. Like the PSP came out like probably not even 10 years ago. And they had like, was it like a little disc, right? Yeah. Uh, and the, they the had games were little yep, discs. And they had buttons and they had this little like joystick kind of pseudo joystick thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there was no touch screen yet, but that was a, like, he was like four and he was like trying to, you know, it was funny, man. It's, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy to sit but, there and think of it. You know, uh, you, know, the, the, you, I mean, you really think about empowerment though. I mean, just look what you're doing, mm-hmm. you know, like the, having the ability to, you know, produce something at this level, you know, mm-hmm. w- without having to go through broadcasting, you know, or anything like that. It's, you know, it's. I listen to a lot of tech podcasts too, and they always talk about the democ- the democratization of mm-hmm. uh, of technology and both how bad that can be and mm-hmm. how good it can be. Oh yeah, that's so. with you know if you wanted to develop a show, mm-hmm. you know you can uh, submit it via email to Netflix, and if they're interested, you can sit there and have a discussion over Skype. Yeah, there's no more uh, there's no more like. Uh, hierarchy of you I mean, we were talking about this the other day um with uh, the, the cast member from uh, stranger things or you know that broke the mold it breaks the mold of the traditional ways of you have to have the in with somebody who you know anoints you right. and says yes it's your turn right. because for you as a photographer 
you know, you, you were, were telling me that, are you trained as a photographer? Did you go to no school for this? I, I went to school for art, for illustration. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I actually, actually, it's kind of funny to admit this now, but I had, I had almost no respect for photography. Okay. Um, I, I was, since I was, I can, my earliest memories were drawing so far back that I remember trying to draw a guy with muscles mm-hmm. and I remember drawing like tits and like my mom <laughs> being like trying to explain to me how to like curve them mm-hmm. and, and, and sculpt them into more of a, mm-hmm. a rectangular shape so they didn't look like female breasts. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, that's, and I must've been only like, man, maybe four when that conversation happened. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I I was just, from an early, early point, I was absolutely positive I was going to be drawing comics. And, um, you know, it didn't work out like that for many of the same reasons. Like, the the same thing you were talking about with that barrier of, you know, the club Mm -hmm. that you were either in or out, because back then it was Marvel and DC. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I graduated in 98... So, um, that was right around the time image comics was Mm -hmm. really starting to, you know, shake things up and kind of disrupt the comic Mm -hmm. book industry. Um, but you know, like I just, I, I never got anywhere with, with, I, maybe part of it is cause I'm not as good as I think I am Mm -hmm. or I hope I am. But, um, what the way photography came into focus with, wow, that was a, Mm-hmm. Um, the way that happened with my, in my life was, um, I had a basic photography class that I absolutely, I had to take it. It was a prerequisite. Mm-hmm. And the guy that, um, I had the, the instructor for the class was this like young dude named Jim Gavanis. Mm-hmm. And, um, he's a documentary photographer and we're still, you know, good friends. But like when I was a student for him, that was the first time I saw work like photography work that really change my opinion like i was Mm. like okay this is an actual art form this isn't just i used to think it was just for people i couldn't draw it's like if you couldn't draw at least you can get a camera yeah um but uh jim's you know he shoots stuff like humanitarian stuff Mm -hmm. in haiti and like civil rights stuff in the deep south and his images are moving i mean so much so that it really did like kind of put me on a whole new course of my life Mm mm-hmm in hindsight, I know that happened at the time. I thought I was just like another medium to work under, mm-hmm. but you know, it's been almost 20 years and it's, is I'm, this is mostly my career now. Cause you think about it, that photography for the, you know, I, I deal with, I've dealt with photographers, uh, camera operators or, you know, whatever. And sometimes it's like they're in the box yeah. of this is the way you do something. A, B, C every time. Mm-hmm. They can't even imagine that there is no alphabet. Yeah. That it's, as as a friend of mine who studied design, when he saw some of my stuff, because I'm not trained in any of this stuff. I mean, I went from like creating a website. I was like watching YouTube nonstop. Yeah. How to, how to. Yeah. And I would populate the field. When I started doing, shooting my own stuff, I was yeah. like, how to light, how to do this. What the hell's exposure, speed, and yeah. and, and then even the podcast. I yeah. didn't know how to do any of this. But as they say, it's designed by non-design. Yeah, I'm totally with you on that. Like um, the the years that I I actually did start when I moved to Minneapolis, uh, I was absolutely sure I was going to work in a psychiatric hospital. Mm. I'd I'd done that outside of Philadelphia for seven years. I worked in this big psych hospital with crazy shit that would happen all the time. 
Um, What's the craziest? I, I want to know what the craziest. The craziest actually does involve shit. Um, <laughs> there was an old. There was a code called, and I was one of the only men that worked on that floor uh-huh. on that shift. And then the rest was all just like you know women that were nurses for women and men actually, but they were all like sixty seven mm-hmm. or older. Yeah, <laughs> they yeah, were like all a couple of years away. Old timers, reti- yeah, yeah. They're coming up on retirement. So like when you get like a hundred, you know, ninety eight pound steel worker that has a psychotic episode it's always me who got called lars yeah and, uh, mm-hmm. and um you know and uh I, I, we got a call on adult four which was the geriatric unit mm-hmm. and there was this old dude who was like in his 80s and there was like a couple of my friends that were on the outside of the room that were like kind of scared but kind of laughing a little and i was like what is happening here mm-hmm. and i like ducked my head around the wall the the door mm-hmm. and he was shitting into his hand like snowballs he was like packing them and then he was like throwing them at us so if you like poked your head around the corner there'd just be like a shit ball that would hit right <laughs> next to your head and um yeah and so what we eventually the way we solved this quandary was like we basically picked up picked up a, a blanket uh-huh. and did like a bum rush you know <laughs> and uh and i remember when we finally got this guy moved to a bed um I remember, like, I I would always meet my brother for breakfast the next morning mm-hmm. at this little diner, and like, and I remember on the drive, like, looking at myself everywhere and being amazed that I didn't get any shit on me. Yeah. And um, we we got there and we're like eating like eggs and bacon and stuff, and my brother just goes, "What the fuck is that on you?" And there was like this handprint of shit, like, oh, right mushed into my shirt, and uh, yeah. Uh, that was probably one of the more interesting moments, but I did that. I mean, I went to, I went to school for art, but Mm -hmm. I, I minored in psych. I, I got a couple of degrees in art, but you know, when I moved to Minneapolis, I was pretty damn sure with seven years experience and two degrees with minor in psych, I'd have Mm -hmm. no problem getting that job again. Mm -hmm. And when I moved there, I couldn't get hired. It was 2010 and like all the, you know, the recession shit was happening and nobody was hiring. And I just started doing exactly what you said. I would walk into like local businesses in uptown Minneapolis and present myself and what I did mm-hmm. and, and my, I guess you'd say my trades or skills that I had. Mm-hmm. And I basically made up these little cards that were like a menu mm-hmm. of services with prices. And, um, you know, if they asked me like, oh, do you do web design? Well, of course I do web design. <laughs> And then they would like, oh, well, that's great. And they'd give me yeah. a deposit for that. And then I would go home and learn how to do a website on <laughs> WordPress. There and I go. did it the same th- same way you did. Like I would, but you know, that's, that again is like the kind of freedom that's mm-hmm. come with like, you know, the technology and the, you know, the advances we've made, like, at, you know, with even tools like YouTube, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, just. I've learned so much stuff. And, and I mean, sometimes it was out of necessity because I didn't have enough money to hire someone else to do it. Mm-hmm. Other times it was just because I was trying to pay bills and I would do pretty much anything. Yeah. And I'm also kind of a fast learner with, except ironically, photography was the one thing that was not a fast skill to learn. So you had taken it in high school, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so what made you, what made you transition or what was the, the moment where you're like, this is something I can do? Well, I I mean this this will make me sound like a like a dickhead, but I was used to picking things up pretty fast, um, medium wise. Like I was mm-hmm. just a pretty artsy guy. So if I decided I wanted to get into 
<clears throat> if I wanted to get into something, you know, I, when, when I got into penciling, it wasn't long before I decided I wanted to start inking. And inking came pretty naturally to me. And um, calligraphy, like I got into that mm-hmm. and I got pretty good at it pretty fast. Um, even the web, the web design stuff later in life, you know, when I moved away, like I picked that up pretty fast. But for some reason, I, you know, like, I, I mean, I assumed I was going to do the same with photography. Mm-hmm. I thought within like a year or two, I'd be like one of the best. And it was just not like that. And it was frustrating and humbling because like I'd see Jim's work, the guy I mentioned, mm-hmm. and I wanted to do what he did, but he shot documentary stuff. Um, and, and he would just walk, I mean, he, the stories this dude's told me, like he'd be in these like towns, like need more Alabama. That's mm-hmm. the name of the town is need more. Need more. Yeah. Wow. And, um, he would just walk up to these folks houses and like knock on the door and like, you know, this like seven year old black dude that lived through like, you know, Selma riots mm-hmm. and the bridge and everything would talk to him. And I mean, some, you know, eventually he, he, he has a very dis arming a personality like he mm. he's so goofy and lighthearted that you know you, you don't feel threatened by him ever mm-hmm. um and i st- i realized like when i was trying to emulate this guy mm-hmm. that i was not comfortable with that i didn't like like just taking photos of people i didn't know um and uh and i i probably didn't have that same um approach like yeah. people probably always thought something was up with me um but uh, it, it just wasn't what I was cut out for. So I started gravitating towards photographing portraits, like doing portraits. Mm-hmm. And I did that for a while. And, you know, I was like a dude in my 20s. So it wasn't long before I was shooting pretty ladies. And um, that went on for a while. And then. So you didn't do like the photography of like your pet and, you know, the <laughs> I canary mean, and the er- dog. and Early on, I, I think I was trying to. F- figure out what i was like i was trying to find out what i like to shoot so was it like a passion though was it something you were like man because it sounds like you're a guy you, you, you sound very much like how i am where if something interests me mm-hmm. i'm gonna devour it figure it out learn it and then if it sticks it sticks to that point like i'm almost passionate about whatever i decide i'm gonna do like if, oh. if it's something that's gonna get some of my attention during the day i do it like 110 percent so, yeah, I mean, it was, but I think the thing that really kept drawing me to it was like this, I'm stubborn a lot of times. I'm, mm-hmm. I can be pretty stubborn. And the fact that I knew deep down I wasn't getting this mm-hmm. as quickly as I wanted to. And also knowing deep down that I, I, I basically didn't have a whole lot of respect for it early on. Mm-hmm. I was like, it, it kind of fueled me to, to, you know, double down on this and then triple down on it and, and get good. But it, it was almost it was over ten years before I was making images that I, I thought were okay. Like So was it you kind of saying like I can do it my way? I don't have to do it their way? Yeah. It's kinda of like that rebellion type situation. Yeah, no, absolutely. I I I I'm, I tend to take the hard road with everything. Mm-hmm. And um you know, I'm doing that now with comics, honestly. Mm-hmm. Like I'm I'm going through the a lot of the stuff I should have learned in school, I, I didn't. And there was reasons for that because like, you know, I, I had some ability for my, my illustration and my te- I mean, I went to a community college. It wasn't like a big deal. And most students that take art are taking it as an alternative to general studies. Mm-hmm. They're like, I don't know, I'll be an artist. And um, the teachers, I found out, um, they're just happy anyone that comes in there has talent at all. Yeah. So they would let me slide on a lot of stuff. 
And some of those teachers, like I'm still friends with a couple of them, but they, I remember showing up my first day Mm -hmm. and last day of airbrush and I got an A (laughs) and like what's, what hurt me though, is I missed out on the shit that I should have like that. Now I'm going back and Mm -hmm. doing over again, like gesture drawings and things like that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm kind of going down that hard road again now Mm -hmm. with comics. Um, but yeah, photography, it, it was like a 12 year yeah, I mean, it, it took me about 12 years before I was making images that were, like, kind of proud of. Mm-hmm. Like, I did a few little galleries, like art galleries in Minneapolis, yeah. and it was about 12 years before I had anything that I would even consider framing. So, Well, when you, you mentioned uh, art classes, I, was, I started reflecting on when I was in college, and I, I remember taking art, and I can remember the, the, the young lady who's, well, we were all young, uh, sat in front of me. She turned around and looked at me. She put her purse. It was an auditorium, and so like you know, the auditorium type classrooms. And she put her purse over the ed, the back, the backrest. And she looks at me and she goes, "Don't even think about stealing my purse." <laughs> Just looked at her like, like we're here. Like really, I like you know, there was no laptops back then, so you know, I actually had like a a binder. You know what I mean? Taking yeah. notes. You know, an actual backpack. I just looked at her like, "What? What? What is this?" But. <laughs> We're in an arts class, man. Yeah. It's not like, you know, automotive or something where you're like, hey, you know, there's probably some criminals here. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but I always enjoyed it because I learned. Right. I, I mean, I wasn't an arts major, but, you know, it was one of those categories. I think it's like arts and humanities or something like that. Yeah. I, I got some of my best, like, when I was really giving it a good shot at comics, like the best comics I ever drew were in, like, I remember drawing an art appreciation class. And her name was Jean Harry. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm sure she's dead now because she was like, she was, she was like 90 <laughs> yeah. or something. Really sweet lady. And, um, but I used to just draw my ass off in those mm-hmm. like classes. And I, that's the problem is like, you know, it's like when I shouldn't be drawing is when I'm getting my best drawing mm-hmm. done. And then when I'm like, I finally like narrow out like two and a half hours of my day where like my son's at school and like I've caught up on all the photos I, I owe. I just fuck off and I like can't focus on like the drawing I need yeah. to do. I almost feel like I, I wish I could just have a pseudo art history class to sit in you <laughs> yeah. know, and work. Focus it. The, uh, one thing I also found on you was, um, and I found it interesting. I liked the GoFundMe page that you had. How long ago was that oh, for the camera? Man, that was 2000. I want to say 15, maybe, maybe 14. So you, not only did you find that there's a scammers out there trying to scam people, yeah. but I like your logic on why somebody should be compelled to fund your your uh, your purchase of a camera, which I, I liked it. I don't know if you remember it, but the rationale you used, which was that there's hipsters out there. You remember? <laughs> I, <laughs> who, I, I'm not surprised I said that. Who, but <laughs> who, who get like $55,000. Oh. for what was it a bakery or a croissant or yeah. development yeah and, or who or a donut shop yeah. Yeah. something well no these are all real stories like this there 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 well there was two things there, basically there there's you know everybody knows that one friend that's like a trust fund kid yeah, that, yeah. you know doesn't appreciate anything they mm-hmm. get and there was one of those people that you know, and I grew up, like I said, I grew up in Scranton, which is like mm. a coal mining town. Mm. And like, you know, it, it's just depressing and sad. And I didn't realize until, um, until like the last few, like probably 10 years, like kind of just how poor we were. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, um, 
and then the other thing is just like um the there 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 was an actual donut shop open in Minneapolis and um it it was just a really bad poor lazy execution mm-hmm. and um as somebody that grew up on the east coast where like you know if you get to the point that you are going to open your own business like you like you expect to work 80 to 100 hours a week mm-hmm. and like you just kill yourself to try to get that thing profitable and off yeah. the ground and established and you know like actually it's ironic we're having this conversation because just last night there's a close friend of mine she's an environmental activist that i work with on this um pollution thing near my house and mm-hmm. um she was telling me like i was i love her because we can kind of have these like spirited like arguments mm-hmm. and i was talking about how fucking lazy minneapolis like midwest people mm-hmm. are and she's like and i was talking about and, and they're not really lazy but I'm, i mean lazy in terms of like they she explained it to me she's like we are not the east coast Mm -hmm. we are the midwest we work 40 hours a week period Mm -hmm. and she's like and we and i that just blows my mind but anyway this 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 business this donut shop ran a kickstarter thing Mm -hmm. and um they didn't have good donuts for starters like that right off the bat i mean if you can't make they were trying Mm -hmm. to do this like vegan gluten-free kind of thing that didn't even have like any kind of yeast or anything yeah i'm sure there's a lot of that going on out here with mm-hmm. like the whole granola thing mm-hmm. um but it, they were bad donuts yeah, it, yeah. He, here's my here's the advice i give to anyone listening to this if you see a donut place that starts putting bacon and ketchup and like potato chips on mm-hmm. donuts that is a red flag because they are trying to do that because the donuts themselves Suck, will not yeah. get the job done. Exactly. But they opened this place and it closed. And that was where I was getting. I mean, this for me at that point in my life, um, that was life and death, that that camera. Mm-hmm. And the, the folks that um, went in on that. Like, I mean, I was trying to write something thoughtful, but it's the truth. Like mm-hmm. anyone that donated on those on on that Kickstarter, even if it was five bucks. Mm-hmm they can feel like they have a piece of the photos I've taken since like a part of those pictures are of, of them. It's Um, the community supporting you. Yeah. I mean, and, and you know, like in the world it's, there's a lot of bad shit that happens. So those little like glimmers of like humanity and kindness and generosity and, and support are really, really encouraging and nice. Or as you pointed out that some, some people are getting their cross country trips funded for oh, no yeah. particular reason. Oh, yeah. No, that was a big thing for a while when Kickstarter, like when crowdfunding first came out. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that happened out here, but man, in Minneapolis, you'd see these like little Kickstarter things go up and GoFundMe things that were for um, more or less, they were just for like normal day to day life stuff. It's like, I can't pay my rent this month. So if you can help me raise $480 by in the next two weeks. And I was like, what? <laughs> I ran across. I, I ran across something so strange. You know, you go like on Craigslist and and I just went into the, I clicked the for sale. Yeah. I didn't click any, I didn't put any search thing. And a guy was, what was he? I can't remember how much. It was a couple grand, maybe 3,500 or something like that. It was a couple grand that he said he would impregnate a woman. No strings attached. Wow. <laughs> and he, I was, I, I saw this little stupid thing. 
Yeah. And, you know, amongst like used refrigerator, yeah. you know, <laughs> looking for a housekeeper. For 10 grand? I, it's like $3,500. Oh. And I was like. He must have, yeah, must it, have some really good jeans or something, or it, at least feel he does. I think he put like, I smoke a little weed, you know, <laughs> and he'd be like, but no crack or, you know, oh. shit like that. That's good. And I, I sat there and I thought. I can't believe somebody put, the, I mean, literally it was, I should have screenshotted it because it was the most random, right? Because I yeah. was, I don't know what the hell I was looking for. Uh, I think I was looking for a camera guy or something. And so I was looking and, and, and there it is. Wow. I was like, but the things that people, yeah. that's so goddamn, like literally I will have sex with you and, and possibly impregnate you for money. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm, I'm sure that guy, I don't know. <laughs> I can't say for sure, but that probably probably hasn't gotten a lot of work. Um, but uh, the you know the thing the thing is when that was becoming a trend mm-hmm. with like the crowdfunding thing as a means to like pay my car or mm-hmm. something, it was working. It like I I saw a lot of I saw a lot of people like actually pull that off, and you know that you know again at the time, it, you know enough years have gone by now that like my life is a lot more stable now mm-hmm. than it was then. But at that time, for me, that was life or death. And I had a son that I had just gotten custody of. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, it, like, it was as tight as it can get. Like, I was making, you know, mortgage payments by, like, 20 bucks, you know. What I liked about that, though, was it was kind of like that punk rock attitude. Like, that sense of, like, look, let's cut the shit. Like, yeah. there is people out there mm-hmm. abusing the system, right, of people. And that's fine. I mean, yeah, if people want to give, they give whatever. Right. If some lady wants to pay this guy $3,500 or whatever, yeah. is a couple grand to impregnate him, I mean, knock yourself out. Right. It's America, for God's sake. Right, right. But what, what I liked is you were upfront, and it was like that honesty, that brutal honesty. Yeah, well, that's the East Coast thing. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, that sometimes creates a, that creates a, you know, I, I still have a a really hard time adapting to. Well, like a great example. Like I don't know if you've had her on or if you plan on having her on. You should. But um, Jasmine of uh, Vintage Vandalism, mm. she's great, and she's from like you know she's from New York, and like she just is straight to all that shit. She does not mm. you know, and um, Jasmine, you know, like we you know like if I post something and. You know, I try something new, like say I like edit something a certain way or whatever. Like I'll I'll like sometimes like I'll post it or or I mean this hasn't happened, but mm-hmm. this is the type of jazz like Jasmine is like she'll be like, Boo, I love you, but that's that doesn't look good. You know, that's I think not, I know what you're talking about. She she does her um Yeah, she's got the she kind of like, like Amy, Amy yeah, Winehouse yeah. kinda like well, I was like, thinking more Cleopatra. Yeah, yeah, little, yeah. I'm yeah, not yeah. sure which of those two she would prefer it actually to be re- referenced to, but <laughs> Okay, yeah, um, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, but she's she's like one of my she's probably my best friend and she, I mean she's been with me through everything in mm-hmm. this like whole pinup scene and um and uh yeah, she's like she'll just tell it straight, like every time. And like I remember, like I I grew up around those same sort of people. Mm-hmm. Where if somebody says something you, like to you like that, it's not like a direct attack on you or mm-hmm. anything. Um, it's just um, you, you know, just you know, you, you're getting feedback. Mm-hmm. And um, when I moved to like Minnesota, especially, um, like I remember my son's mom and I when we were together, and my like my son was just born, and we went to Costco, and um, you know, I picked up prints like photos, mm-hmm. and uh, and there was just this, it was right before Christmas and there was this huge line of people and you know how they check your like receipt to make mm-hmm. sure you're not stealing anything. I didn't feel like I really had to wait in line for a few, like 10 photos. Mm-hmm. So we all walked to the front of the line and I just went up to the dude and I was like, 
yeah, hey, um, I just got a few prints. Is it okay if I go? And he goes, yeah, you're fine. And I just walked out. And my son's mom was like, as soon as we walked through the door, she's like, oh, my God. I am so fucking embarrassed. And I was like, <laughs> what? Why? And she's like, did you see how pissed off he was? And I was, I said, he, he said it was fine. And she's like, that does not mean you're fine in Minnesota. Like, what? that means you're not fine. What like, the hell? Because, like, in South Philly, if you try walking out of a Costco with 10 prints and that's not okay, they'd say, you're not fucking special. Get in the back of the line, asshole. Chokehold so, or something, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. So, it, you know, like, I've had a little, a, but that's, that's kind of why, like, I, I, when I wrote that whole thing, I mean, it was pretty, it was straight yeah. up and honest. But um, it's refreshing. It, it is refreshing because there's so many pretentious people out there. So many people that are like acting like their shit don't stink, shining mm-hmm. up a turd to look like yeah. a tulip. When you're like, kind of like, at least for me, I, I sit there and I see people and I'm just like, you know what? God bless you if you get whatever it is you're looking for. Yeah. Uh, but for me, that's, it's, it's yeah. fake. It's, well, and, 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 and when I was talking earlier and I said about like, um, talk coffee bean and tea leaf, mm-hmm. that, that was from a real incident, like a real thing that happened. Like when the first, it was my first trip to LA mm-hmm. and like, you know, I feel like if you're not from LA, you have this expectation of what LA is like, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, I remember going to uh, like to a coffee bean and tea leaf and sitting down and I had like three hours to kill. So I was like trying to like edit some pictures or something. And these like two guys behind me like were just immediately they're like they did the whole well you know um we're really hoping to uh talk to so-and-so about producing this so-and-so and and, you know we're looking at a budget about like 12 million or something like that Mm -hmm. and um you know it's probably not too likely but we're gonna try for robert and then he paused and went robert downey Mm-hmm. And um, he's like, w- which in person? You'd be surprised how short he is. And this was happening right behind me. Mm-hmm. And it was my first time in L.A. And I was just like, wow, this is like such a trope. Yeah. You know? Surreal. Yeah. But I think that that's what happens a lot, especially social media. It creates like fantasy world. Yeah. As we were talking about string theory. Yeah. There's almost like an alternate reality where. Yeah. I think I just read an article recently about. Something about like digital media is altering children's brains. Yeah. And and it's it, it can it create this sense of validation? Oh, I I got, you know, fifty likes or or five thousand likes yeah. in an hour. Oh my god, that's yeah, that's like so soothing to that's my soul. The validation, like that in, in that constant, incessant need of validation. And being yeah. in front. Being yeah. in front. Because yeah. uh, one person we do know, which I'll show an image who is an awesome, awesome person, is this young lady, Miss uh, Lisa Del Toro. I love Lisa. She's the she's the best. You know, I hadn't got a tattoo, which for especially because nowadays, right, everybody and their mother is like neck to fingertips, insane yeah. face, head. Yeah. I don't have nothing against that, man. That's your business. But I had not been tattooed in I think it was like fifteen or twenty years. Mm-hmm. And um and Lisa Gave me my tattoo. Oh, after. yeah. It was such a long break. It's just an amazing person. One thing I like about your photos, and this is a great example, um, and maybe you can explain a little bit of method to your madness, and there probably is no method to it, but I'd like to hear, because the use of light, contrast, is amazing. Thank you. Well, how do you approach photography? So, um, 
that this ties in with what we were talking about with Jim. Mm-hmm. Um, Jim, as a documentary photographer, um, would uh, he he would just you know you you can't when you're in Haiti, you you cannot just like set up lighting equipment mm-hmm. and and like a flash and a strobe or anything. So he you know he, like most documentary photographers, he just shot with a camera body, mm-hmm. you know, and the whatever lens of choice. And, you know, it's all manual settings and he would change his aperture and shutter speed as he shot, you know, depending on the situation. And that's how I learned. And I, I learned under him and I, I kind of mentored under him for five years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was five years in before I even like started hearing about or learning about like equipment, like gear and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So I just never used it. And by that point, I was already like I was already like c- cemented into my approach to photography. So even, you know, even today I I don't bring, I don't use lighting equipment. I don't use flashes. I don't use anything like that. So like this photo here was, uh, taken at the artisan in Vegas. Mm-hmm. And, um, that was a great story. That was my first, it might've been my first time in Vegas. I think it was. And, um, we were shooting at the artisan. They have like this really cool chapel where they do the Vegas weddings. Mm-hmm. And, um, I kind of like Lisa was like, do you think we could get in there? And I was like, I, yeah, I think we can. So we like snuck in and the security guard like comes right up on top. And he was like, yo, you can't be in here. And I was like, oh shit, this is so cool in here. And in like the most classic, like the most quintessential Vegas story, the dude mm-hmm. just goes, maybe you give me like 20 bucks. You can have it for like 50 minutes. <laughs> so okay. I was like, yeah, I got 20 bucks. And uh, that's where we shot that. But um, yeah, it's just, I mean, the real difference is, um, Instead of bringing lighting equipment mm-hmm. to the model, I bring the model to the light. So I'll go into a room and I'll just see whatever light sources. Like if I were to have shot in this room, mm-hmm. it would immediately I would use that. Mm-hmm. I would just because it's interesting light. It doesn't yeah, and it's real. You know, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't look studio or anything. Yeah, and um, you know, I just bring Lisa or whomever I was shooting like close to that, and you know, it, it takes years, well, like decades maybe at least a decade for me to get to a point that you can um, see that properly. Mm-hmm. A lot of it has to just do with training your eye. You see, you, you already see it in your, your mind. Well, when before I, you, yeah, when I walk into the room, you, you can immediately start to see where those crazy light sources that most people would never even notice mm-hmm. um, how they can create the image you want. Yeah. So, and someone like Lisa, I, I, I love her to death. She's a uh, sweetheart. I yeah. mean, she's a little feisty. Yeah. She needs to be right. Yeah, uh, she puts you in your place. Yeah, but uh, just an awesome person. And uh, now, when you deal with these individuals, mm-hmm. it, I, I notice it's it's kind of like a pinup, but not. It's what would you call your genre? Well, it it's become known as dark pinup. Mm-hmm. Um, which ties in with the book I just did, mm-hmm. um, which I'd like to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I have it here. Can I? Yeah, yeah. You can show it to the, to the camera. Yeah, so this is the book. This is Dark Pinup by Working Class Publishing. Mm-hmm. Um, this released at Viva Las Vegas, and um, we had a big party at the Artisan. And mm-hmm. I mean, there's... there's uh, well, least, who's on the cover there? I think this is This is Ryan. Mm-hmm. This is um, my friend Ryan. She... She and I grew up five miles from each other. Wow. In Scranton. Yep. Who would have thought? Um, yeah. It's, it's been really um, a treat to see, like, 
probably for both of us to see our careers. I mean, mm-hmm. she's on the much higher echelon. I'm in the sub because she's a tattooer yeah. who's on what is it, Ink Master? Ink Master, Ink and Master. then she, then she was a host on Ink Master Angels, which I think is in their second season. Mm-hmm. Um, the, but yeah, I mean, you know, I found my place, and I'm really happy being like it, like on. In, I like subcultures. Like mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons we probably found each other. Yeah. You know, but I really like you know those kind of punk little like corners of the you not know, mainstream, up. right? Yeah, and um, Ryan has just found you know massive success being mainstream and like, but you know she's doing a, a lot of good work, like kind of bringing tattooing and like like society's. Um, acceptance of tattooing mm-hmm. you know, or have tattoos in general. Um, and just, there's so many other layers to it. Women and, you know, I mean like when they, after she did Ink Master, like they did the show Angels with just the three, uh, Ryan and the two other girls. Mm-hmm. Which I the, think I saw when, uh, I, I think they went to Tattoo City in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. I was bummed that my buddy Doug, Doug Hardy, yeah, uh, didn't win. But, uh, you yeah. know, yeah. Yeah. Even tattooing is an interesting thing now. Yeah. yeah, she does all my tattoos, and I mean, like, it's crazy. These are all freehand. Mm-hmm. She doesn't even stencil them out. It's wow. just like she just starts tattooing. So, also like yourself, she can see it in her mind. Yeah, I yeah, she definitely can. I I I've said this before. I've actually written about this in blogs, but like, I kind of wonder if little weird corners of the world of the like well the world really if it's really hard to get anywhere in a certain art or trade or something like that or whatever, whatever mm-hmm. talent writing or whatever, I almost wonder if the harder it is, it, it, it kind of weeds out the people that are really meant to do what they do because it's very thankless. Like I did, you know, um, I did galleries mm-hmm. all over Scranton, Pennsylvania that I, at great expense, like mm-hmm. I would spend a thousand dollars on frames and like, you Mm -hmm. know, $300 on prints. And I would stay up and drive myself crazy getting ready for these shows. And I'm not kidding. Like 13 people would come and like even close friends that you would expect to come Mm -hmm. didn't come. And what I would do is like pull the show down after a month and get started on the next one. Have you ever done one out here in LA? Yeah, I did one at, um, um, uh, the surf, um, um, man, I'm, I'm drawing a blank right now. Um, I did one in, in Hollywood. In Hollywood. Um, and yeah, I went over, uh, Rick Miller, my friend, Rick, mm-hmm. Mi- yeah, Rick Miller. He's, uh, he's got a little like surf art studio, mm-hmm. like tiki kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, <laughs> it's right next to the burgundy room, which I'm, I'm just laughing at because I don't drink mm-hmm. and, um, I'm not sober or anything. I just haven't yeah. drank. And, um, <laughs> I remember going to the burgundy room and getting a milk. And the dude looked like it reminded me of that scene of that SpongeBob episode oh. with Weenie at Juniors. Right, like, well, at least he didn't ask for warm milk. <laughs> can I, have warm I was like, can I just get like a milk? And he's like, yeah. And he just looks so disgusted with me. Like, get the fuck out. It's like this legendary historic punk bar. And he's, <laughs> I'm ordering a milk. But uh, yeah, I did a gallery there. It went really good. I think I sold a few things. But yeah, um, in Scranton, though, I'm not kidding. Like, I mean, friends I'd known for 15 years would not sometimes not even show up and you just pull the show down and start planning the next one. And I kind of wonder if that like same with Ryan, like, you know, I I wonder if, you know, if you just have the will to just, 
you know, if you're like a metronome mm-hmm. and, and you're just going to do what you do, no matter if you're getting rewarded for it or not, mm-hmm. uh, I wonder if that kind of weeds out the people that aren't going to cut it. And, and that's, you know, like some of the times I've had out here and even New York and stuff, like the harder times where like I didn't know as many people, I was kind of just breaking in, sleeping on floors mm-hmm. of like friends of friends and things like that. That that's where I think a lot. Some people may just be like, "Fuck this! I'm going to work at Wells Fargo," you know. Well, you know, one thing that I I, I remember having a conversation with with Ed Hardy about success, mm-hmm. and he says, "You know, luck has a lot to do with it." True. Luck. It's. I think him. I think Juxtapose Magazine had uh, before. You know, I mean, he was known in the tattoo world, obviously, but I think they had wanted to to do some of print some of his stuff right and then the japanese saw it and then the japanese gravitated towards right. it and then it came you know it's kind of like the beatles right you roll know? back yeah you yeah. come back home and then all of a sudden you're, you're it king. comes with you yeah. yeah um yeah so the the guy here um on my uh this dude um thomas coons mm-hmm. he's the uh he, he wrote the forward he's a close friend of mine and we we've talked about um you know like that forget what president or some famous person made this quote about success is the intersection between um um opportunity and preparedness being ready for it, being prepared for it and the opportunity intersecting so do you think because i was thinking about that term because i know it's called dark Mm pinup as i was looking through and i'll show a few more images um matter of fact speaking here of of uh, your childhood friend Ryan, mm-hmm. or at least someone who grew up next to you, you know what I found about these? It's like it's erotic, yeah, but a different type of erotic. It's not like missionary style erotic. It is right. It taps into a different part. So, um, I just spoke with uh, um, a makeup artist about um, the uh, about this shoot that she was on with a male photographer and a female photographer on this doing the same shoot mm-hmm. of the same model. And the results were like, you know, what, kind of what you would expect. Like the, the, the woman that was shooting had these like elegant, beautiful images with light leaks coming through these like curtains. And, you know, it just looked, you know, a little ethereal, kind of like a dream, just, you know, soft and it was erotic. Like, you know, there's a lot of, you know, skin areas and stuff, but like, the dude's shots were literally like, it was like, this is where I'm going to put my dick. <laughs> and and it, that's what it looked like. Like, mm-hmm. that was his point of view. And, um, you know, like when I was like 22, I mean, I was probably a lot more like, I, I probably shot like that, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but at some point, it, I really did genuinely start to to not care about that as much like mm-hmm. women in lingerie and, and things like that. Like while shooting, it didn't, it just, it w- it became a shoot and, and it was, um, something that like at the less I cared about any of the, you know, nudity or anything or, or even lingerie for that matter, mm-hmm. the, the better my photos were becoming. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this is, we're talking like 2002 or three when I was like kind of just, figuring out that this was like the genre I wanted to be in. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, at this point, you know, like I, I don't, I don't care, but like, I don't want to be that guy that, you know, my friend was talking about, 
Like I don't want to. So I try to shoot stuff that's sexy, but not like explicit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and just has a little bit more depth to it, or a little bit more um, kind of like it, it leaves more to the imagination. I guess I know that probably sounds canned, but no, I think that that is. I think to me defines erotic. Yeah, where it, it, it stimulates. It doesn't have to be all this skin and whatever exposed body part. Yeah, it's, it's kind of what you don't see. It intrigues, it, right? Like sex. Sex yeah. is probably I would say ninety to ninety-five percent mental. Yeah, and the rest is physical. Yeah, because if you don't have that attraction, yeah, and then there's not that spark or whatever. Yeah, it, it's just a physical act. Yeah, you know? I, I feel like with what I, I I try to shoot is like I mean, and, and I'm I am really fortunate because I am surrounded by a lot of really incredible women um, that have given me unbelievable opportunities to be part of you know this, this genre and this scene, and um, and I've learned so much of like my friend Micheline Pitt is like you know I I look up to her so much for for like everything she's so smart she's talented but you know she gives me um, a really good um, window into um, kind of like a higher standard mm-hmm. of of like what is sexy and what is you know and, and I feel like it, it's removed from most like male photographers and and I mean I don't totally take credit for that like I've I've learned from a lot of these women mm-hmm. but like you know I, I've picked up along the way over years and years and years like the things that like can make a picture really powerful and mm-hmm. sexy without being, you know, completely like, you know, up, exploitive up. too. You y- know yeah, I mean? exactly. And, um, but like Micheline, um, Masumi, um, I, I've been really, really lucky to like meet them and work with them. And, um, yeah, I, I've, I've really taken a lot from the ladies that I like, like my, my friends and, so I, I, you know, I wonder then, I mean, if, if dark pinup, cause dark, you know, whether it's in subject matter or in actual lighting it's referring to, but if it actually captures the depth, cause it, to me, there's so much, I mean, the way the lights used, like here, here's one outdoors, which I found kind of rare. So a uh, little note I have to tell you about that particular photo is that was like the first shoot I had after that new camera was bought Mm -hmm. so and this is that's gia genevieve Mm -hmm. yep and um the uh that was that was the like the first shoot i had and i mean i literally picked up that nikon d70 from the kickstarter Mm -hmm. about four hours before that picture was taken so do you ever find because i know like i've been around a few amazingly you know especially from social media Mm -hmm. amazingly beautiful women and then you meet them and they're like, they come to the shoot or whatever in like pajamas, a bathrobe, <laughs> and, you know, talking about eating cereal in the morning. Mm-hmm. They're just normal, yeah. like sometimes yeah. dorky, quirky people. And my friends will be like, oh my God, yeah. like you were around this girl. She's so hot. Oh my God, I'd give my left arm. And you're like, she's in a person wise. Yeah. I mean, do you find yourself like having well, to. Well, you know, like. My earlier life, and I have these little, <laughs> these like past lives that like I'm not, you know, I'm not involved with them at all right now, um, at all. But I used to be involved in like wrestling, professional mm-hmm. wrestling. Mm-hmm. I used to design T-shirts for that, and like, 
I, you know, back then I, I really got a good look at like the, the, the gimmick or the persona, you know, that was the, the wrestler. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of these guys, I, I was starstruck too until you meet them like that. So I think I was exposed to that early enough on mm-hmm. that, um, by the time I started, you know, shooting some of these ladies that are really big in the pinup scene, um, I wasn't like starstruck or like nervous about it. Um, I definitely have a lot of friends that say those sort of things, men and women who mm-hmm. are like, oh, my God, I can't believe you just shot with so-and-so or whatever. Um, I get nervous sometimes, but not because, like, they're just people. Um, exactly. Um, there, there's, like, my buddy Thomas here um, in the book, the mm-hmm. guy I mentioned, like, I kind of get, like, I'm a little starstruck by him still, and he's, like, one of my really, really close friends. Mm-hmm. But the dude is just so deep and inspiring and just such a complicated artist that what he does has such an impact on me personally mm-hmm. that it, that's where the nervousness might come from or, mm-hmm. um, but like, you know, um, I just get nervous that I'm going to fuck up the opportunity mm-hmm. that, that sometimes like if it's, if it's a model that is shot with like, you know, just some of the best photography, like in, in a few cases, Oh gee, is a perfect example. Like this shoot was, want to say maybe not that shoot it might have been the first shoot we did together she we had the we shot together right after her playboy cover came out Mm -hmm. and ellen von unworth had shot the playboy cover and i am a huge ellen von unworth fan so Mm -hmm. that was like you know i was just terrified i was gonna fuck it up i was afraid especially because i do have such a unusual style of photography Mm -hmm. um and it's not you know you can't like plan it or try to harness that lightning in a bottle you i'll literally walk into a place and i have to start making decisions how i'm going to make these pictures happen Mm. and i don't know what the situation is until i get there Mm. so you know gia i've had i've had some nervous issues because like because of those reasons because of the previous work right and and, i mean she just i mean she's in a lenny kravitz video and like i mean she just does so so many big things and um yeah i mean like being from scranton like a small little town the imposter syndrome is real. Mm. So sometimes when I get like big opportunities I'm, I'm it, like, there's this weird voice in the back of my head. That's like trying to convince me I d- shouldn't be here. But you belong there. Yeah. I, and so th- this work, uh, matter of fact, I'll pull it up when you did the, was this the book release party yeah, yeah. Um, of dark pin of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of gives, I liked it because it kind of gives different scenarios of your style. You know, it looks like one maybe a studio set and one is, you know, a kind of natural lighting. Well, the one on the end I did not take. Okay. Um, I've never got a chance to shoot with Jezebel. But um, the one of Masumi, Roxy, and Marie, I, I did shoot those ones. And But, yeah, um, that has a lot to do with just those, you know, you don't know where you're going to be making pictures. Yeah. And, um, you know, like... I mean, the dark pinup thing is is definitely like I do shoot a lot of dark stuff with a lot of shadows and like you know it's got its own look. But there's a whole chapter on this book, um, the first um, I guess it would be the second chapter. This is all light stuff. Mm. Um, so these photos are all the things I've shot in much brighter situations. But there's um, still a lot of use of light. Oh yeah, yep. Yeah, but it's not like they're not like sometimes I want. I think people think that I'm shooting stuff always dark and like moody and like, you know, kind of, um, you know, like, uh, and noir and, and it's not true. I mean, I, I have to make pic- the reality is like 
I am a work for hire photographer. Like mm-hmm. I sometimes get these messages from like women on like Instagram that want to shoot together, but they're like, Oh, would you ever shoot with, you know, would you even ever shoot with someone like me or like, mm-hmm. I'll shoot with anybody. Like, which I did notice. I, I don't know if I, I took a shot of that, but, um, maybe I didn't. Oh yes, I did. I love this picture <laughs> of the two little girls. Yeah. Um, Yep, those and, those came out great. So that's actually one girl. Um, I just oh, I just, it's one. Yeah, that's one girl. Like, I was hired to shoot family photos for this uh, friend of mine, and um, uh, she and her husband had brought her daughter, and um, we're all horror fans. Mm-hmm. So, in fact, while I was in this, this was during the Viva Las Vegas weekend. I was here before I went to Viva. And um, it just happened to be the same weekend as Monster Palooza, mm-hmm. so I bought tickets and stuff, and I went to that. And um, but when we were shooting, I was like, "Oh man, wouldn't it be cool if we tried to use your daughter to pull off a shining photo of the two little girls?" Mm-hmm. So I had her daughter hold like her hand out, and then we moved her and switched hands and tried to shoot the same. Yeah, it was a lot of work. That's. Yeah, compositing, but I love that picture too. <laughs> but even even it's just something so like out of the box. Yeah, where it's there's still light because the light's coming in through the window. Mm-hmm. There's shadows in the back, uh, and and for the girls to be wearing a dark color and still stand out in the shot. Yeah, is is that's no easy thing to pull out. It's just this like endless um, journey of like picking little things up as you go. Mm-hmm. Cause like those kind of techniques that I learned, um, like I, that have become important for me to pay attention to, like you were saying, like dark clothing and stuff like Michelin has a, a brand, um, called La Femme Noir. Mm-hmm. And it's almost all goth black, you know, lace kind of mm-hmm. stuff. And they hire me to shoot like lookbooks and things for them but it's all black and I'm a dark photographer. Mm -hmm. So you really have to kind of figure out how to shoot something black and dark and moody, but still see texture in it so that the clients or the customers realize that there is actually texture in this. And then it's just, once you've learned that and you've gone through the tutorials and the YouTube stuff you talked about Mm -hmm. on how to like pull some shadows out and like where to leave them in and where to, you know, emphasize them or, or hide the other stuff. Mm Then it's just you can start applying that to every picture like this one. Well, I think sometimes like a friend of mine when he was talking to me about projects and he was telling me, you know, you have to have conflict in the stories. Conflict. And I said, no, <laughs> I believe you have to have contrast. Yeah. Without contrast, you won't see anything. Yeah. It's all just one big picture where everything blends in. Right. Without contrast, we have separate foreground, background, whatever. Right. Uh, but you mentioned uh, lace. Yeah. I think lace mm-hmm. is like that forgotten, yeah, seductive. Oh, right, absolutely. Second person besides sure. the woman. Oh, yeah, and and like there's, man, there's so many like little subtleties um, that just kind of get forgotten about, uh, and, yeah. and and yeah, I, I don't know. I don't want to like beat up on male photographers because like I know I know I know some that are really good, and um, but like I do tend to gravitate more towards female photographers Mm -hmm. myself like my my friend shannon brooke is like hands down like my favorite photographer um i have another friend here in in la named michelle terrace Mm -hmm. and all those little um things that they include are are like are are like the type of sexy that you like we were just discussing Mm -hmm. where it's like it doesn't hit you over the head it's a lot more subtle sometimes it's as simple as just like you know a dress or a top that's just slightly see-through not really Mm -hmm. see-through but like the way it's shot there might be like 
a, like the sun behind it's like it. sheer yeah. Yeah, yeah and it's just like you're always just trying to get around it and figure it out and like it it, it challenges you and it's complicated and like those are the things that make a photo like really sexy like mm-hmm. well yeah i don't know it's just, how many men pinch the screen to zoom in to go can i see anything can yeah I see anything? yeah it's there but it's 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 stimulating yeah it's stimulating to the to the senses yeah you I, know yeah i i would um I don't know. I, I just, um, Mich- um, those two women I mentioned, Michelle and, um, uh, and Shannon are perfect examples of like that kind of thing done right. And a lot of the stuff I've picked up along mm-hmm. the way. And the, the thing has got my work to a point that I hope it doesn't look like a typical dude's photography. I I've learned from, you know, a lot of other women. It's very creative. I, I think the photos, uh, they stand out because there is so much play with light. Uh, and there is so much, as it were, titillating mm. stuff where it's not, you know, if you wanted to see smut, triple yeah. X stuff, then, you know, you could find that online, you yeah. know, content for days. Right. And well, and I mean, a book like this is like not cheap, you know, like, I mean, this is a $65 book. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think if you're going to spend that much on a book, you know, you, you actually do care about those, you know, like actual art well, it's so. like sometimes you see like some of the great paintings, right? The woman is, is a little plump or whatever. She's got like this robe and like maybe a little bit draping. Mm-hmm. It's not giving away mm-hmm. the whole everything sexuality. Right. Which in today's society, sex and skin sells, right? It's putting it out there and cheaply and buy, you know, it's it's almost like a penny. Mm-hmm. You know, some people pick it up just for, for, for luck. But most of the people will be like, it's worthless because I see it all the time. Yeah. You know what? There, there's a, here's a good take on that, that um, uh, actually working class publishing deals. Uh, well, they, I think they do mostly the graphic design and the printing. Mm-hmm. But um, if, if you want to see something that is like, you know, it's totally nude. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's, it's like, I mean, I, I, now and then I'll shoot some topless stuff. But like, I mean, the only time I've ever shot like, vagina or anything is um when i shot for suicide girls Mm -hmm. and like that was just a paying the bills kind of situation but um the uh uh there's a book that's out and i think they're in the third or fourth or maybe even fifth issue right now called camp out oh yeah um camp out's fucking great because it's like it's i'd say it's sexier than what i shoot or maybe not sexier but maybe explicit it's definitely more explicit Mm -hmm. But it's done. It's handled so perfectly. It's Camp Out magazine, yeah, right? Yeah, Camp Out. It's yeah, like I absolutely love that magazine, and um, oh. you know, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people would just consider it porn, but it's almost it's like classy a porn. It's like it's just a, a perfect throwback sort of nod or like homage to like just nudie magazines from mm-hmm. like the 80s yeah. or 70s or whatever. It's just so well done, and I, I mean, I feel like everyone that. I can think of that I've seen in their issues is like just handled in a very respectful light mm-hmm. and, and just kind of like it gives them a nice um, fun stage to mm-hmm. be, you know, sexy and nude without it. And again, Camp Out is um, with the, the uh, I forget her name. I'm uh, That's a bummer. Cause she, yeah, it's she, run by a female. She's run by, yeah, run by yeah. a female. But yeah, again, that's where that, that female point of view really like d- there's a, really clear difference from like 
you know, it's whatever. a nostalgic. Yeah, it's a very nostalgic. Uh, kind of remember the bachelor pad. Yeah, also it's very nostalgic settings, and sometimes you're like, I know that's a set. I yeah. know that's a fake. I, I like that, but it's, yeah, uh, it, it like, does yeah. right. It, yeah. it gives that nostalgic. Or back then, maybe men in the '60s and '50s that were picking up these magazines. Yeah, it just it wasn't totally triple X. It's like one X. Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? right, exactly, right. Where it's not too much. Yeah. Uh, so you, I, I remember, like, I, I remember shooting some stuff for Suicide Girls. This is probably like seven, eight years ago, mm-hmm. and um, and I remember. I mean, I'm still good friends with this girl, and if I if she knew I was telling the story, she'd probably just think it was, it was funny. But I remember, like, she was directing the suicide girl shoot Mm -hmm. and she was like telling me what to shoot and i remember her being like with her boobs against the floor with her ass up legs spread and she was like looking back and she's like don't be afraid to like get in there (laughs) and i remember feeling like this is not my like this is not my job like this isn't me like it was just um you're like let me put the filter on the lens real quick first (laughs) yeah it it was it was uh it was an experience. And and I have I have to say, like, this job has definitely got me into situations that were like just interesting experiences. So the book has just when when did you release the book? This came out um uh we it was April man, such a crazy time. It was just all it's all a blur, but I wanna say the party well actually it was on that one uh thing you brought up with uh the I think it was the 13th or the 18th? 19th. 19th. Yeah. So that was the release party. And that was at the Artisan in Las Vegas. And, you know, working class, you know, like spared no expense to make this like a huge thing. Like Masumi performed, um, Roxy Delight performed, um, mm-hmm. and the, and Marie and uh, Jezebel performed. It was like a bunch of burlesque. And it was just like, uh, now that some time has passed, it's just... It's kind of like a blur that whole night. Mm-hmm. I just remember seeing a bunch of faces and people coming up and saying nice things. And I remember just signing like a few hundred books. And it it was a success. I mean, it, it did great. I mean, uh, Bob and Kelly from Working Class kind of took a chance on, mm-hmm. on me. Um, and uh, I mean, they get a lot of inquiries from like other people, especially in this genre, because it's mm-hmm. mostly where, where Working Class Publishing Print is like within the vintage like mm-hmm. pinup community. And there's a lot of people that come to them often, so I was like really honored that they wanted to do it. And the name is absolutely fitting because they worked their ass off. We all did. Mm. Like it was, I mean, they used to drive in from Minneapolis or from uh, Wisconsin, and they would like meet me at like an Airbnb. They'd stay for three days. We would work twelve hour days on the book, mm. and then they'd go home. And then like six weeks later, we'd do it all over again. Wow. So yeah, it was it was a lot of work, but they, to their credit, they allowed this thing to be a hundred percent like my book. Like you remember when earlier we were talking about like web web design mm-hmm. and stuff. Like I have a long history of like graphic design that I had to do just to pay bills, but I, I did get good at it after mm-hmm. a while. They completely let me design this the way I wanted. Um, it, it was like the DNA of this book is completely me. It's a reflection of your yep. of your style. Yeah, and, and and not just in the photos, but in the the graphic design, layout, and like yeah. the layout, and the the choices of fonts and things like that. So, what's next? So, you're in LA until when? I'll be here to the eighth. I have um, of August. Yep, of August. and then uh, I have shoot. I have a lot of shoots. I think I have like nine shoots in the next few days, mm. um, and then 
we drive to um, uh, Vegas from mm-hmm. the ninth to the twelfth. Um, thir- mm. So I have shoots in Vegas and stuff too. So it's it's been yeah because we were just in New York City five days ago mm. and like like took my son to you know Times Square and stuff I saw like that. that yeah so it, it's been a it's it's been a busy summer so basically people can book you they can contact you and uh it's not only stateside you're can travel internationally. yeah i mean I, I i've had girls that have been asking me for years to come to australia because that's that's got mm-hmm. a, australia has a huge really really like um really really uh, prosperous like pinup community mm-hmm. so in fact as soon as we're done here this this book is being shipped to australia mm. to a to a friend of mine that ordered it yeah there's um I know throughout Europe, uh, several countries in Europe, rockabilly pinups. Yeah. It's Japan. Super, oh, yeah. Japan, yeah. It's got a really big... People are absorbing this vintage, nostalgic culture of America. Yeah. I mean, see, the thing is, uh, I've never... I mean, I'm like an old punk, mm-hmm. and um, I was... I've heard people say this is like where punk goes to die or something like that, mm-hmm. but I've heard that for other stuff too. Like I'm, I'm also into like the Denver sound, mm-hmm. like the, um, a lot of like um, Gothic Americana music mm-hmm. and stuff, uh, which is another genre or sub. Like I guess you would call it um, a post-punk mm-hmm. uh, like subculture. Um, but uh, I myself like was more into punk and everything, so um, I kind of sometimes wonder if like when people hire me, if they have an expectation of what I might look like or act like or anything. And mm-hmm. I wonder if they think I have this like pompadour and I'm mm-hmm. like big, tall dude. And, like, and I'm not, I'm just mm-hmm. like, I mean, when I go to Viva, I don't drink, I don't dance, I don't party or anything. So I go to work. I just yeah. go to shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot. But as somebody that, you know, I might shoot a lot of this stuff, but in a lot of ways, I still don't really feel like, that's my scene or that I'm accepted in that I'm a lot more, I feel like accepted or, um, recognized with like the psychobilly people. Mm. And it's really funny. Cause like working class publishing, when we had the tent at Viva, um, it was me, cherry Dollface, and Shannon Brooke. Mm-hmm. And like, we're all sitting there signing books and it's very clear that we all have our tribe. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, like the, the really, really beautiful, like almost like, Vargas pinups, mm. the girls that just like you know immaculate and perfect and everything, um, and, and the hair is perfect and everything. They would go like right to sh- um, to to Cherry, mm. and then Shannon had like another group of like pinups, which is it's just a subgenre of a subgenre. Mm. But like the psychobillies, like anyone wearing black or wearing like black lipstick, were always coming over and talking with me. So we we definitely had our own little yeah, like tribes, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I like, I mean, as somebody that is somewhat of an outsider, like a little bit with that, like it's really enjoyable to look at Viva and like the, like just, you know, how many thousands of people come to that Mm -hmm. and, and just go over the top with the details and everything. And, um, you know, I like not having to be a part of that. I like being able to go to that event and have people know me, but still be able to wear just like you know, $7 t-shirt mm-hmm. and like dirty jeans. Like I like that. Uh, I, I couldn't do the, 
I wouldn't even want to attempt to do the dress up thing. So you're like on the periphery, more like yeah. kind of like an observer, but also like appreciating the culture. Right. And, and like people recognize me there. No. So I do feel like I'm included. Like, you know, like at Viva and stuff, people will come over and say hi and, you know, it's, it's nice. But um, I'm just, I, I always go to Viva and just take it in. And like, it's, I have such awe. I'm, I'm always in awe of like the amount of work and mm. dedication that goes into the people, men and women that like just live that life. Big time. Yeah. So what, what, as far as projects are concerned, the future, what you got besides shoots and so, yeah, I do have some stuff coming up. So, um, my goal for the rest of this year is to not be busy. Um, I mean, I've, I've just been on this like pace for like five or six years. Mm -hmm. Um, so I have to give a plug to a website called steam it. Mm -hmm. Um, it's a, it's a, it's for the uninitiated, um, it, it might be kind of hard to wrap your head around, but man, I'm, I can't stress enough how important it is that people like take a look at this place. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a website where basically you um, blog. Mm-hmm. So if you're a content creator, and this includes you, mm-hmm. like you should absolutely be on Steam. It. They have a whole. Um, are you familiar with like blockchain technology, mm-hmm. like Bitcoin? Yeah. Okay, so that's what it is. It's basically a blockchain, which is like an engine in the background that runs this site, mm-hmm. um, but it monetizes. So you actually get paid in cryptocurrency. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, as far as I know, I mean, there might be like little like janky versions, like trying to imitate it, but mm-hmm. Steemit is the only place I can think of on the internet that like, you know, rewards like content creators mm-hmm. in, in like a livable um, wage, like mm-hmm. a livable amount. Um, and I've been on there for about two years and... Um, it's it's just been like you know watershed moment and like you know it's it's and, and i mean there's no downside i mean mm. you, you're rewarded in something that can actually be turned into real money wow. um you, you basically get this cryptocurrency called steam for your posts mm-hmm. um the best posts on the site are rewarded them you know appropriately mm-hmm. and um then you can just it, it can literally go to a bank account um and turn into cash and or they actually even make like little visa cards now that you can just wow so um they have a there's a uh it, it's i guess they're using the api that, um for the steam blockchain mm-hmm. for this thing called dtube and mm-hmm. there's another one called dlive and they're these projects that do exactly what you're doing they stream like podcasts and in tv mm. shows and stuff like that um live stream video games and that is the a big part of my plan for the next year, at least, um, mm-hmm. I want to try to wrap up all the edits that I owe um, the clients from like Viva and everything, and get everybody caught up. Which is, I am drastically, drastically behind on work, and I apologize to anybody listening to this that's <laughs> waiting on photos. This book like completely upended my whole mm-hmm. life because this was this was for ten months like all I could work on, mm-hmm. and. Um, so now that this is done, the party has come and gone. Um, I want to get those photos done and edited and back to everybody. And then um, I really want to use Steemit to like leverage my um, my dream of like doing comics. So where did where where is it? Steemit.com or, or where can they find that at? It's uh, Steemit.com. There'll be a thing where you can sign up, and um, you, it, it's not it's not the same thing as like Facebook and everything where you get a password and if you lose it, you. You know, you just say like, reset my password. Mm-hmm. Like it's a little more involved than that. You get this like crazy long thirty-six character password, and you have to like make sure you write that down mm-hmm. because if you lose that, you don't just lose access to your account; you lose your money. Wow. So, but I mean, if if you go into it with that understanding that it's there's more responsibility involved, mm-hmm. the rewards that could 
will, you know, will potentially come from that for any content creator for like mm-hmm. writers. Um, are, and I mean, there's poets on there, there's musicians on there, there's filmmakers on there. Like, mm-hmm. it, it, you know what it is? It's, you remember when like Facebook and YouTube, I, it's hard to think back that far, but you remember when it first became ubiquitous and like everyone, like it, there just seemed like one day everybody knew about this thing. Mm-hmm. This is the chance to get on that before that happens. Hmm. I yeah. want to make sure to check that out. Yeah, it's absolutely something you should you should look into. And anyone doing podcast or you know video or film or writing or painting or anything. So, so they can find you on Instagram, Facebook, where at? Yeah. So um, everything is pretty much all the same long last name: Komenizu Spade. K O M M I E N E Z U S P A D T. Mm-hmm. And that's on Instagram, Facebook, Steam it, and um, I I think that's probably all I have. Have had a good time, man. Yeah, man, this has been great. Thank you for having me. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about? Um, not at all, really. I mean, I think we covered the important stuff, and the there was a lot of non-important stuff that was <laughs> fun to talk about. So, but yeah, yeah, this is a great time. You're doing a great thing. Oh man, thank you. I'm I'm a fan. I'm uh, a fan of your work. I, I think it's uh, out of this world as. Uh, you know, design by non-design, it catches my eye. Man. One thing I meant to ask you, is, is that where you first came across me was Lisa? I believe so. Okay, believe yeah. So. That was, a, I was curious where, where you first kind of tumbled across my account. Yeah, I think it was Lisa. I think that's where I saw it. And I'm like, man, I got to follow this guy. And I start following your work. And I mean, here we are probably yeah. three, four years later or something like that. Oh, know. really? Has it been that long? Well, when you took the photo, I, you know, maybe... Let's see if she has a date on there. Yeah, I guess that, that might oh, have been no, longer. I cropped it. <laughs> yeah, no, actually, now I think about it, that may have been even longer than that. Cause yeah, I'm, and here we are years later, and that's the beauty of social media and technology. Yeah. Where sometimes we're able to meet. I've had folks come here from Japan who have been in town from Viva. They'll come over here and, you know, hang out in L.A. and yeah, on the podcast. Well, know? I'm a huge, I, I said earlier, like, it's, I mean, science definitely, but, like, I'm a huge podcast consumer. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I can't wait to listen to some of the stuff you have coming up. Yeah, man. So, um, so everybody, you can make sure you check him out on Facebook, Instagram, his website. Check out Steamit. The uh, book you can buy at www.darkpinup.com. Dot co. Mm-hmm. Show the cover again one more time before yep. the camp. Yeah, the it's camera. not com. It's co. Dot co, and um, that'll take you straight to Working Class Publishing's page where you can buy the book. So I'd like to thank you for coming by, taking some time, and uh, hanging out and uh, discussing uh, life and uh, your your art. And Thanks, man. It was a great opportunity. Thank you. Thank you. So, anyways, make sure you check out on gentlemen'savenue.com forward slash the lodgecast, iTunes, Google Play. You can download or stream. And until next time. Be well, my friends.